Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Let's just pray as we go into the Word. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to gather as a church, to worship, to celebrate, to glorify your name. And Father, I just pray that by the Holy Spirit you would come as we go into the Word, that this Word would not just become more information, but it would become a revelation to our hearts. We bind every uh, spirit of fear and intimidation. Pray for a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation that as we We look at this word, Father, that it would become a revelation in our hearts. We love you, Lord. Let be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word. Let there be nothing in our hearts that stops us from receiving it, I pray. Just bind every distraction. Be glorified today. Let your purposes be accomplished. I thank you that you will speak. Our lives will be changed. I thank you that it's going to be a word for us this morning. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Lana read our text uh, this morning at Luke Luke uh, 24 and uh, verses 1 to 3. And I want to uh, speak on this Easter Sunday on the subject, the three days of Easter, three days of Easter. The most important event in the Christian history is the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the event that divided our calendar. It's the event that we celebrate every single year. And it's the event that as Christians, we remember every time we break bread together. And we'll be doing that at the end of the service. The crucifixion account is made up of three days, Good Friday, Easter Saturday, and then Easter Sunday. On the Friday, Jesus was crucified. And then on the Sunday, he rose from the dead. Question is, why three days? Why a three-day story? Why not the whole crucifixion story in just two days? Friday or Saturday, Jesus dies. Sunday, he rose from the dead. Would it be just a little bit more economical? Why do we need three days? We could all do it in, in just two days. Paul said this, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. It was the Scriptures that said that Jesus would rise again on on the third day. Paul says, it was important that Jesus was raised on the third day because that's what the Scriptures foretold, because that's what the Scriptures had said in the Old Testament. Testament. It turns out that this three-day story is a theme that runs throughout the Old Testament. In Genesis 42, Joseph's brothers get put in prison and they're released on the third day. In Joshua 2, the Israelite spies are told that Rahab, uh, by Rahab to hide from her enemies and they were saved on the third day. Remember the story of Esther. She fasts, prays, she's received favourably by the king on guess which day? It was the third day. When Abraham was to sacrifice his son Isaac, it's on the third day that he sees the sacrifice that that, that uh, would, uh, would save Isaac. Jonah spent, guess how many days, in the belly of the whale. It was three days. Uh, And there are so many other examples in Scripture of this, so much so that the prophet Hosea says, come, let us return to the Lord. Come on, it's an invitation to the church of Jesus Christ. Let us return to the Lord, for He has torn us to pieces, but He will heal us. He has injured us, but He will bind up our wounds. After two days, He will revive us. And on the third day, He will restore us that we may live in 
His presence. Turns out that each of the three days of the crucifixion story are significant. Each of the three days speaks to an area in our own lives. My prayer is that as we look at the significance of each of these three days, that we would be encouraged, that uh, faith would begin to rise, that there would be hope to believe that the dead things in our life would come back to life, that the story of the crucifixion wouldn't be just something we celebrate once a year, but it would be something that we could experience in our hearts and lives, even this morning as we've gathered together as the church. Romans 8.11 is a powerful Easter uh, scripture and it says this, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. If, if, if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you, that same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead can give life to our mortal bodies, to the things that seem dead in our own lives. Jesus suffered died and rose from the dead to show us, to be an example for us, how that can happen to you and me and as well. And it turns out that each of, each of these days, each day of the story teaches us something about our own lives. Friday teaches us something, Saturday, Sunday. And I pray these simple thoughts will encourage all of us today of what it means. And I wanna acknowledge that some of these thoughts come from some material by, by Chris Hodges, great great minister. So what does Friday speak to us about? Well, Friday speaks to us about the day of pain. It speaks to us about the day of pain. The Bible speaks very clearly about the pain that Jesus experienced. Matthew says they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and they then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. I just want you to imagine that if you've seen the passion of the Christ, there's, a, there's, a, there's an image, a, a, a very visual image of what exactly happened on that day. They put out a, a staff in his right hand and then they knelt in front of him and they mocked him. Hail King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him. They took the staff and struck him on the head again and again, says the Bible. And then John says, then Pilate laid open Jesus' back with a lettered whip. It was on the Friday when Jesus experienced the beating. It was on the Friday that he experienced the crown of thorns, the whipping, the spear, and it was horrendous. The bleeding, it had almost killed Jesus from the very wounds that he experienced. Jesus not only experienced physical pain, he also experienced emotional pain. I want you to remember that Jesus was born to a mother that was pregnant before she was even born. I want you to kind of reflect on the shame that she would have experienced, the, the words that would have gone around, the whispers that would have gone around about Jesus, the reality that, uh, that, that Mary was not married and, and she was already pregnant to Jesus. Then there was emotional uh, wounds even throughout his own life, rejected by people and so on and so on. And then when he was arrested, he was betrayed by Judas, denied by Peter. Peter, who was close to you, was one of the inner, inner three that was extremely close to him. And he betrayed Jesus three times. And the rest of the disciples, instead of sticking with him in his hour of need, they all scattered. And that particular time, Isaiah says this, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and, um, and we held him in low 
esteem. I've lost my page. Here it is. Uh, it was on the cross that they made fun of him and they gambled his clothes. And Jesus' pain was, was so severe. It, it, he got to the lowest point in his life on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I wonder if there's anyone that's ever experienced so much pain in their life. I wonder if there's anybody here that's ever experienced so much pain, whether it be physical, emotional, relational, financial, where you got to a point in your own life where you turned to God and you said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David experienced his own season of suffering. He says, you are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed, by the enemy. David had got to a, such a low point in his life. It felt like God had rejected, me, rejected him. And here he is crying out to God. He's saying, why have you rejected me, O God? Why must I go about mourning? As we look at the Scriptures, we find many examples of people that experience pain. Job experienced pain and David, Habakkuk, Esther, Paul, just to name a few. And Jesus experienced a day of pain to help us to be an example for you and me about how we can experience our own day of pain in our own lives. I know a lot of us look great on the outside, but we're in pain. There's a war in our hearts. Some of us are in a Friday season of our life. It's a season of pain. There are so many ways that we can deal with our own pain. We can medicate our pain and we can blame it, blame someone for why we are where we are. We can, we can react and we can retaliate. Jesus did none of those things. Jesus did none of those things. What did Jesus do with the pain that He experienced? I tell you what He did. He brought His pain to God. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, the challenge is not so much the pain that we experience in life, but what do we do with it? And the greatest thing that we can do with our pain is bring it to God. The greatest thing that we can do with our pain is pour our hearts out to God. Sometimes you talk to people and they, and they you know, people try to be nice, you know, you know, people try to say nice things, you know, and they say, oh, things like I understand or no, you don't. How could you possibly understand what I'm going through? And people say, it's going to be okay and you're going to get through this. And, and the reality, these people try to comfort us and, and people try to encourage us and it's a good thing. But it just feels like no one really understands the pain that we're going through. And the greatest thing that we can do is bring our pain into the presence of God. Some people say, oh, Pastor Joe, is it okay to ask why? You know, it's more than okay to ask why. Read the Bible and you'll see example after example after example of people that are at the lowest of the lowest of the lowest and in their lowest time, in their point of pain, they bring their pain for, into front of God and they say, God, what is happening to my life? Where are you in this time of my life? Why have you let this happen? So often when we go through pain, it's the, it's the, it's the treadmill of why and why and why. Because if we could see at least some purpose in the pain, well, that would give us some hope. But we can't see any purpose in the pain. How can good come out of this situation here? And those are great questions, by the way. And the reality is no one has the answers to those questions. Not even I, I, I can't answer those questions. You know, I talk to people and they, I have the privilege of hearing some of people's pain. And when I thought I've heard the worst, along comes someone else and it's even worse and it's even lower and it's even darker. And I think, you know, how can anything good come out of this? Greatest thing that we can do with the pain is bring it, to the feet of Jesus, it's bring it to God, it's pour our hearts out to God because the Bible says this and we know that God causes 
everything to work together for good. It doesn't mean that everything is good, but it means that God has this way of redeeming our pain. He has a way of healing us and using the most difficult situations for His glory. And what the enemy meant for harm, God can use for good. And the enemy, and, and, the, and the cross reminds us of this because the enemy thought, you know, I'm gonna crucify Jesus. He's on that cross. He's dead and buried. Finally, I've won the day. Finally, it's over. Finally, I've got this rid of this Jesus and, and, and that, that, that is destroying the world. But what he didn't know is that he was bringing Jesus to his destiny. And the enemy wants to try and destroy your life. The, the enemy has tried to destroy your life. The, the enemy has tried to destroy your life again and again with certain situations. What he doesn't know, that it's those very things that God uses for his glory. Pastor Joe, how? How can that possibly? I don't know. I don't know. But all I can tell you is just do what Jesus did. The, the, the cross reminds us. The cross reminds us that Jesus can redeem our pain. That no matter how low it is, no matter how dark it looks in your own life right now, that God can use it for His glory. Saturday speaks to us about the day of confusion. I can understand the significance of Friday. It's where Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. It's where he was beaten for our transgressions. I get the Sunday. The Sunday's about resurrection. It's about, you know, where Jesus rose from the dead. But what about the Saturday? What's the purpose of the Saturday? I want you to consider the crucifixion, not from our perspective, because we know exactly what happened. We know that Jesus rose from the dead. But I want you to consider the story from the perspective of the disciples. Can you imagine the disciples waking up on Saturday morning? Jesus has died, Jerusalem is quiet, crowds have disbanded. Can you imagine the confusion, the perplexities, the questions in their minds? I can imagine them arguing with, the, with themselves, oh, we should, have, we should have done more. Why did we run? You know, Peter, you should have stayed. Why did you denounce Jesus? I can imagine them arguing amongst themselves, thinking we could have, we should have, we might have. You know, maybe if we'd have done something, Jesus would still be alive. This isn't the way it was meant to end. They were supposed to rule the world, usher in a new kingdom, Jesus the King, the disciples, the leaders, and all of that's finished. Jesus is in a tomb and He is dead. They had all these ambitions. They had it all worked out that, uh, that uh, you know, Jesus would reign, the Romans would be defeated and they would usher in a new kingdom. Where do they go now? What do they do now? It's Saturday. Reality is, Many of us experience Saturdays in our own life. Saturday is the day where your expect expectations leave. It's where you lose faith. It's where you wonder what happened. You were gonna have a good marriage. You were gonna be used by God. You were gonna have a great family. It was the promise of God. You were full of faith. You thought you heard from God. It was going so well and now it's Saturday. And Jesus is dead. Jesus is in a tomb. And it seems like it's dead and buried. Saturday is the day of silence. It's when you call out to God, help me, heal me, listen, hear me, save me, do something, God. Nothing. It's quiet. Saturday's a marriage that is in trouble, but nothing changes. Saturday's a child that is sick and after praying, nothing changes. Saturday's the loss of a job and no interviews. Saturday's are scary because you don't know how long they will last. C.S. Lewis, one of the great authors, said this, meanwhile, where is God? 
when you're happy, so happy you have no sense of needing him, so happy that you're tempted to feel his claims upon you as an interruption. If you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, you will be so it feels welcomed with open arms. But go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that, silence. Why is he so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent a help in time of trouble? That's Saturday. So the question is, what's the significance of Saturday? Here's the deal. God does some of his best work in our lives on Saturdays. Some of the best work he does in moulding and shaping the human heart actually happens on a Saturday. Because sometimes it's only when you're in a Saturday that we turn to God and we find God until Saturday. That's just a cliche. It's in the Saturday that we learn that God is with us. As Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for God is with me. It's when we're walking through the, through the valley of darkness for the, the shadow of death. That's when we learn that God is with us. It's when we learn to hear the voice of the Spirit. It's when we learn to feel and sense the presence of God. Greatest thing that we can do in a Saturday is just wait on God. Jeremiah said, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. David says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Isaiah says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not be faint. To wait upon the Lord is really a, it's a really important concept and, and it's often misunderstood. It's not this passive, inactive or fatalistic kind of thing where you get a chair and just sit on the chair. I'm just waiting for God. Well, so what does it mean to wait on God? It means whatever I do while I'm waiting, I do it with Him. I work with Him. I rest with Him. I talk to Him. I question Him. I wrestle with Him. I wait on God. I'm just waiting on God. I don't have the answer yet, but I know that the answer is coming. And it's in that process of waiting. It's in that pro process of wrestling. It's in that process of coming into the presence of God day after day, week after week, month after month, that God does some of His greatest work in shaping the human heart. So much so that James says, count it all joy when you go through trials of many kinds because they produce something. And it's in the Saturday that things are produced in our hearts and lives that are powerful. It's where we learn maturity, completeness. It's where something deepens in our hearts and in our spirit. All of that great work happens on a Saturday. It's on a Saturday that it happens. As we wait on God, John Wesley said, what else is better than the nearness of God, the closeness of God, the proximity of God, the compassion of God, when his children are hurting? It's the nearness of God. I've got nowhere else to go. The disciples said, you know, the crowds were coming to Jesus. Jesus would speak to them and Jesus' words were tough. I mean, you know, if he was a little bit nicer, Jesus, you know, he needed a marketing agent, you know, but if Jesus was a little bit nicer, the crowds would stay. Instead, Jesus would speak the truth. He said, if you want to follow me, it's going to cost you something. And the people were dispersed. And one time Jesus said to his disciples, you want to go as well? And the disciples said to Jesus, well, where else are we going to go? Who, who else has the words of life? Who else has got the words of life? I don't know what you're going through this morning, but there might be somebody here. You're, you're in a season of pain. You're in a Saturday season of waiting. And I thank God for counsellors. I believe in all of that. I believe in, 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 in everything. Read books. Just do whatever it takes. I believe in all of that. 
But the greatest thing that we can do is just bring it into the presence of God. Because that's where we find truth. That's where we find, that's, that's where the miracle happens. That's where the miracle happens. That's where change begins. If you're in a Friday season, I want you to know there's no pain that God cannot redeem. And if you're in a Saturday season, there's no confusion that God cannot come. And that leads us to the third day, the Sunday that speaks to us about the resurrection. It speaks to us about victory. It speaks to us about joy, about favour, about blessing. The Bible says, as we, as we heard uh, from Lana, the text, it says on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women looked, took their spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Two angels spoke to the women and said, he's not here. He is risen. Sunday's the season in our life where things begin to turn around. It's where the, we begin to harvest the seeds we planted for years and years. It's, it's the season where you've, you've just done the right thing year after year after year. And it's, it's where you start to reap the fruit that, uh, of, of just being faithful to God. I was thinking about this week. You know, I have a real problem from, with waiting. If you're part of this church, you know, I've got this problem trying to get therapy for it and it's trying to help me. I thought I was doing better, but this week I was back into that, that, you know, fast, fast, now, now, now kind of thing. And, and you know, as I was going through that, I, uh, one of the things I've, I've, my passion or hobby, shall I say, not passion, hobby, uh, I've just planted something like 20 fruit trees at home. Uh, any people like fruit trees and stuff? It's the Italian, you know, it just comes out of you. You can't help yourself, you know. Got to have fruit trees. You know, um, what's the point of planting a tree that doesn't bear fruit? Can I hear an amen somewhere? Come on, <laughs> cut it down. It's biblical. Plant a tree that bears fruit in the name of Jesus. Persimmon, at least, olive tree, a lemon, a good lemon. And, you know, I planted all these trees. They're, they're, they're little. They're all little. Uh, and they're just starting to grow. And, you know, how, how does the tree bear fruit? I'll tell you how it bears fruit. It's every day you water, every day you fertilise. Every day you spray a little bit with non-toxic pesticide. Um, and, and every day, and every day goes past and the tree grows just a little bit more and just a little bit more. And, you know, and, and, and then a month passes, a year passes, two years pass, and then you start to see some fruit. And when you see that fruit, it starts to get exciting because, you know, it's just the, it's the, it's the fruit. And that's, that's, for me, it spoke to me about my own life. And it spoke to me and it said, Joe, just slow down. Just slow down. And just keep doing the right thing. And in due season, you will reap a harvest. If you do not give up, says the word of God. The Sunday is the day where we, we start to reap the fruit of the seeds that we have, that we have planted and, 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 and looked after for so many years. Sunday reminds us that things can turn around that life can be different, that God does open doors, there is hope, that death cannot hold us down. It may be Friday or Saturday in our lives, but the crucifixion reminds us that there's a Sunday that's coming. For some of us, we are one sunrise away from our life turning around. And the way to experience that one, that, 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 that turnaround in our life, it's just one word. His name is Jesus. Doesn't offer resurrection, he is the resurrection. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. No one, he, the one who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I, I just love that. Who, whoever lives 
by believing in me. Whoever believes in me shall never die, says the Word of God. Well, Pastor Joe, does that mean we will live forever if we give our lives to Jesus? No, no, what, what it's speaking about there, it's speaking about eternal life. All of us will die. When the Bible speaks about death, it actually speaks about separation from God. And the Bible says here, whoever believes in God shall never die, shall never be separated from God. And then there's that beautiful quote, well, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Crucifixion reminds us that we don't have to stay in a Friday or Saturday. There is no death that has the power that, cannot, that Christ cannot resurrect by his grace and for his glory. Can I hear an amen? amen. Maybe today you're in a Friday or Saturday season uh, and you wish it could just last for a day. But for some of you, it's been days, weeks, months, or even years. And there's a temptation to give in to despair and denial. And you're tired of waiting. And there are a couple of things I want us to be reminded of this morning as we prepare to break bread. You know, communion has been part of the Christian tradition where, where we break bread together. And this morning, I don't want just this to be a, something we do religiously or out of tradition. I want this to be an opportunity for us to connect with God in a special way. And as, as we prepare to break bread, as we break bread this morning, I want us to be reminded of two or three things. Firstly, don't despise the Friday season because God can redeem the pain in our lives. Some of you have given up hope in your life. You said, my life is finished. My life will never be the same again. That's it, it's done, it's over. If this hadn't happened in my life, my life would be different. It did happen, that's it, it's over, it's finished. Some of you have written off your life. I want you to know, Friday reminds us that God can still redeem our pain. No matter how bad it is, how dark it is, how low it is, God can still redeem our pain. The crucifixion story reminds us of that. Secondly, don't despise the Saturday season. Some of you are waiting. You're waiting for an answer. You're in the darkest moment of your life. You, 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 you've been praying, crying out to God. Where are you, God? What are you doing, God? Blank, nothing. Feels like your prayers are hitting the ceiling and God is a million miles away. I love the story of Job. You know, it's, it's, this, this, it's, it's this Job wrestling with God. Where are you, God? What are you doing, God? I turn to the left, He's not there. To the right, He's not there. Where are you, God? I just wanna find God. I just wanna talk to Him. Nothing, quiet. But you know what I love about Job? He keeps going back to God. I mean, for goodness sake, you've been once, twice, three times. Turn your back on God, said his wife, and, 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 and leave God. No, he keeps coming back for more. I know that my Redeemer lives. In the darkest point, Job 19, in the darkest point, he says, I know that my Redeemer lives and one day I shall see Him. And he keeps wrestling with God. And then there's Job 38, where the Bible says, and God spoke out of the storm. He will speak. Don't despise the Saturday season because God does some of His greatest work on Saturday. And then I want us to be reminded of the hope we have in Christ. In the words of S.M. Lockridge, it may be Friday. It may be Friday, but Sunday is coming. Turn your eyes to the screen. I want you to hear this African-American preacher preach it in the name of Jesus.
It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter is sleeping. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scar. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sundays come. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling. And his spirit's burden. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. And evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning. What has happened to their king? And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by his father, left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The earth trembles. The sky grows dark. My king yields his spirit. It's Friday. Hope is lost. Death has won. Sin has conquered. And Satan's just a-laughing. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard. And a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a coming. There's one thing I want you to take away from the message this morning. You may be in a Friday or a Saturday season, but I want you to remember that a Sunday is coming. Can't tell you how long your Friday or Saturday season is going to last, but I can tell you 
the Sunday is coming. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead shall also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit. Every time we break bread, we're reminded of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Hope that whatever your pain is, hope that whatever difficulty, disappointment, answers you don't have, confusion you cannot explain, problem you cannot solve, obstacles you feel you cannot overcome, I want you to remember that it may feel like Friday or Saturday, but Sunday is coming. And you know the greatest decision that you can make this Easter is just to give your life to Jesus and turn to Him. Don't change religion, don't join a church. Just give your life to Jesus Christ because the greatest thing that we can do is not just celebrate Easter, but just experience Easter. And that's why Jesus came some 2,000 years ago. We're going to stand together as the church. And Father, we just thank You for who You are. We thank You for Your Spirit and presence. And as we go and celebrate Easter in many different ways, Lord God, let Your Spirit and presence be with us. Guide us, we pray. We want to honour you in everything that we do. This we pray and ask in Jesus' Name. Amen and Amen. God bless you. You have a great Easter in Jesus' Name. Amen.